Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Stephanie Marie Thornton, author of the new novel, A Most Clever Girl. Stephanie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Sure. Well, if someone hasn't yet heard about your new novel, A Most Clever Girl, how would you describe the novel? Well, uh, it is a fictionalized take on the real life of uh, Elizabeth Bentley, who was a spy. Uh, she was actually a, a good girl from Connecticut who uh, ended up spying on America for the Russians during World War II. And then uh, she turned double agent as soon as our alliance with Stalin unraveled after the war and went to the FBI and informed on the massive spy network that she had been um, building up and working over the course of the war years. So uh, she dismantled pretty much single-handedly uh, the golden era of espionage in uh, Soviet espionage in America. And do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to write A Most Clever Girl? Well, I had just finished up my uh most recent book, which was, uh, and they called it Camelot, about Jackie Kennedy. And uh, that, of course, spans the Cold War years. And as a history teacher, the Cold War has always fascinated me. And I thought, you know, there's got to be some women from the Cold War that we haven't heard about. So I did a little digging um, and found that uh, Elizabeth Bentley really fit the bill there. Um, she she ended up um, doing a lot of testifying for the FBI um, in front of the Senate and so on, and uh, actually helped send uh, Julius and Ethel Rosenberg to the electric chair. But at the time, she was really vilified, um, and her testimony was called into question. Um, it, it still makes me angry. Uh, there were a number of people who deemed her hysterical and menopausal. Um, I think they really just didn't know what to do with a female spy at the time, especially one who had spied on America and then turned her coat. Um, so uh, I was just really intrigued by her story. And then um, even more so when I found out that uh, the FBI at the time knew that she was telling the truth because there was a top secret project that wasn't declassified until the 90s uh, called Project Venona, where um, they had decrypted Russian cables. So when Elizabeth Bentley came to the FBI and informed on her spy network, the FBI knew that she was telling the truth, um, but they couldn't go public with that knowledge because they were still using um, the decrypted uh, information uh, to spy on Russia themselves. Um, so it just struck me as a story that needed to be told, a woman who had really been um, vilified and then forgotten uh, and who had done some pretty amazing things uh, in the world of espionage uh, and so on. Well, what was your initial writing journey that led you to writing and getting your first novel published? Ooh, it was a bumpy journey indeed. Uh, my first <laughs> four novels are actually um, about ancient history. Um, I love all history. So uh, they're all about women in history, typically whose stories have been forgotten, or in the case of Jackie Kennedy, whose stories we think we know, but when you dig deeper, there's a lot more to them, a lot more complexity. Um, and about, oh gosh. Mm, it's it's getting uh, to be more and more years <laughs> in the past. Uh, I want to say it was around 2010. So gosh, like 12 years. Yeah. Pharaoh uh, Hatshepsut, uh, her mummy had been rediscovered that the Egyptians had had it. They just didn't uh, know that it was hers. Uh, and I had been fascinated with her story since I was 12 years old and had to research her for a, a project in middle school. Um, I tried to take Cleopatra, but she was already taken. And I loved Egypt. So uh, this forgotten female pharaoh who uh, her name had almost been erased from history 
there was a narrative about her that she had usurped her stepson's throne and uh, had done these bad things. But then when we found her mummy, we found out, well, actually, she was quite a bit older when she passed away and things like that. Um, And I thought, you know, there needs to be a book about her because I love her so much. And I, I would love to read that book. Uh, so I I started writing it. Um, my daughter was born right around then, uh, and it, it took me a long time because I had to steal little bits of time writing at night while my daughter was sleeping. But um, that was my first book that I wrote, and it was actually the second one that I published because from there I went on and wrote about Empress Theodora of the Byzantine Empire. Um, and from there, I've just kept writing. Well, you mentioned that you uh, still are a history teacher, high school history. How do you balance writing novels while you're also teaching? Um, balance. Yeah, that <laughs> that may not be uh, the word that would best describe. Uh, I I have a a saying. Um, I actually used it in um, my novel about Alice Roosevelt uh, that um, I can sleep when I die. So, uh, sleep is a thing that I, I fondly remember from the past. <laughs> uh, so I do. I go to work in the the morning and uh, stay there, get papers graded, give lots of lectures, uh, things like that, um, and then hang out with my family. And then uh, at nighttime, that's when I tend to get a lot of writing done. Um, I also like to think that living in Alaska helps me out because the winters are really dark and cold, <laughs> and I'm less and less interested in dark and cold and being outside when it is dark and cold. So um, I get a lot of writing done in the winter as well. Gotcha. Well, I'm curious, what was your writing process when you were working on A Most Clever Girl? Did you outline the novel before you began, or did you just dive into the narrative? Um, Well, so far, my novels tend to follow the same kind of organizational path. Um, And I think Mm -hmm. that's because I tend to choose, well, I always choose um, real-life women. So my first step is always to go find like the best biography about them. Um, For this one, there were actually a couple about Elizabeth Bentley. Um, Red Spy Queen. And then there's one called Clever Girl because that was her code name. Uh, So that gives me a feel for the character's personality and motivations and things, but most importantly, the events. So that kind of drives the the first draft. Uh, We have points A, B, C. These are events that have to happen. And then my job is to tease out how that character, that historical figure, got from point A to point B. Um, and especially the emotions um, and motivations and things like that that maybe don't make it into um, a straight nonfiction uh, read. And then from there, once I've got a workable draft, I continue researching the whole way through, um, but my research gets a little more nuanced. So there will be specific things that I recognize are lacking from the draft at that point that I need to go find. So for example, um, I am not a spy, uh, but there are a lot of things that, you know, are just really intriguing about the life of a spy, all of the gadgets and things like that. Um, so there was actually a draft where it was just, let's focus on what gadgets <laughs> Elizabeth Bentley <laughs> might have come across or utilized uh, during her career uh, as a spy. Um, so I just keep going through, um, keep researching, keep adding notes. Um, I probably drive my editor nuts because I'm I'm adding things into the, to the very last draft when it's like, no, really, we're just supposed to be moving commas at this point, Stephanie. But I found this amazing thing in my research. I have to add in a couple sentences here. <laughs> That's great. Well, I, I'm curious, are you working on a new novel now? 
Um, I am. So uh, my last three books were focused on uh, 20th century American women. And now I'm shifting. Um, I'm in the process of uh, the early stages, I guess, for um, a novel that will actually span the French Revolution and the Regency period. Um, so I've, I've shifted gears. But that's the, the great thing about writing historical fiction. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Um, I often say that it's the closest thing I can get to a time machine or a TARDIS for the Doctor Who fans out there. Um, <laughs> so uh, I get to to jump around to wherever and whenever there are important stories that need to be told. And I'm curious, what writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories and novels? That's a really great question uh, because this is uh, a path a career, a calling, whatever, uh, that pans out very differently for every writer. Uh, but I think that there is almost always going to be a point, maybe it's while drafting, revising the publication journey, um, where things do get bumpy. Um, so I always fall back on um, Winston Churchill's uh, advice. It's kind of paraphrased from one of his speeches um, during World War II, but um, never, never, never give up. So there were many times throughout my journey to uh, be published and many times throughout every novel uh, where I'm staring at a screen going, I don't know how to do this, how to fix this, et cetera. And I oftentimes just fall back on that, like ever, never, never give up. Even if it's just writing a sentence, like just keep moving forward and uh, progress gets made that way. That's great. Well, what novels or nonfiction books have you read recently that you enjoyed? Oh, gosh. Uh, so I just kind of read all over the place. Um, so uh, for fiction lovers out there who like a little more of a contemporary twist, uh, my family, we just finished reading. Um, actually, it was the audiobook, so listening. Um, the Gunkle by Stephen Rowley. Um, he also wrote a, another novel about Jackie Kennedy. So that's how I, I came across his works. Um, uh, the Rose Code by Kate Quinn is absolutely fantastic. Um, because, you know, World War II and uh, female spies, uh, kind of my jam. So uh, that one. And then Christine Wells' uh, Sisters of the Resistance is actually about the um, spy network that was headed by um, Dior's sister um, at the time uh, during World War II. So uh, that one's set in Paris. So those have been some of my most favorite recent reads. Um, but yeah, so many good books out there. That's, that's, that's always great. a hard question to answer because I could just go on and on and on. <laughs> well, where can people find you online if they'd like to learn more about you and your novels? Uh, so my website is stephaniethornsonauthor.com. Uh, so there's a uh, sign up for my newsletter there. And I'm also on Facebook and Instagram as well. Great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Stephanie Marie Thornton, author of the new novel, A Most Clever Girl. The book is on sale now, so go buy a copy. And Stephanie, thanks for doing this interview. Thank you so much for having me. Great. Thank you. Now, stay tuned for a brief excerpt from the audiobook of A Most Clever Girl by Stephanie Marie Thornton, read by Tavia Gilbert. 
available from PRH Audio, wherever audiobooks are sold. The gun in Catherine's poochie handbag bumped reassuringly against her hip as she double-checked the address of the Connecticut apartment building. The scrawled numbers refused to snap into focus until she blinked a few times. Her eyes were still raw from yesterday's news of President Kennedy's assassination, from seeing photos of a tear-stained Jackie Kennedy, whom Catherine sometimes glimpsed while giving tours of the White House, wearing that blood-spattered pink suit, while Lyndon Johnson took the oath of office aboard Air Force One. Yesterday had been the final straw. One week ago, Catherine's entire world had fallen apart. One day ago, the country. But today, armed with a crumpled letter and the Smith & Wesson revolver her father had carried when he was shot down at the Battle of Saipan, Catherine was going to write some very old wrongs. Two bullets, she thought to herself. One for her, and one for me. The building hunched in front of her was nondescript, shabby and run down. Even the wood of the stairs underfoot felt rotten. Catherine, cat to everyone outside of her mother, who had called her Kathy, had probably watched too much James Bond in Dr. No, but she'd expected a former spy to have a more impressive abode than this two-story mud-brown building with sagging gutters and peeling paint. Probably fallen on hard times, she thought to herself, as she knocked on the door of number 201, wishing she could break it down instead. She's damned lucky she's not in jail. Cat waited, then gave a second sharp rap with the heel of her fist. She was about to start peering inside windows when a squat woman with snuff brown hair cracked the door wide enough to reveal a rusted chain lock. She looked more run down than the building itself, save for her painted red lips. Not just any red. Vicious, violent, poisonous red. Hello, my name is Catherine Gray. Cat smoothed the flip of her Jackie-esque bob. Every rebellious blonde strand lacquered into place with half a can of Aquanet. Given the way the blood was pounding in her ears, she was impressed that her hands didn't shake. I'm here to see Elizabeth Bentley. The door slammed in her face. Cat raised her fist again, this time ready to break the door down but stopped at the unexpected rattle of chain. The door reopened, wider this time. The dumpy woman's gaze swept the empty street, making Catherine wonder what, or who, she was looking for. I'm Elizabeth Bentley. Her voice came out slightly nasal, with that East Coast finishing school polish Catherine had grown accustomed to hearing after three and a half years at Trinity Washington University. Elizabeth Bentley's face, was the sort no one would notice in a crowd. The perfect face for a spy. The image was only marred by a small mole below her left eye and a scar that streaked beneath her lower lip. This was the face of the woman who had destroyed a cat's life. It's now or never. In one swift movement, Cat aimed the Smith & Wesson revolver straight between Elizabeth's eyes. The gun made a satisfying click as she cocked the trigger. You ruined my life, you communist bitch. And now you're going to pay for it.
she'd thought she'd be able to just pull the trigger. To end all this and escape the lethal undertow of pain. But when the moment came, Kat hesitated. Can I really end someone else's life? Am I capable of that? To Elizabeth's credit, she merely blinked. Was she really so accustomed to staring down the muzzle of a gun? Well, Catherine Gray, unfortunately, I ruined a lot of people's lives. Why don't you come in and we can discuss, like civilized people, what I did that was so heinous that you want to kill me? Whatever Cat had been expecting, while she rehearsed this scene in her head on the train ride up from Washington, D.C., a civilized chat was definitely not it. Except Elizabeth was already turning around. The open door, an invitation to follow her. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.